Welcome to the Orchard. We're so glad you're here today. Whether you are joining us here in the building, online, or later during the week, you might be listening in your car. Who knows where, but we are glad, and we've been praying for you today, however you are listening to this, that God would speak to you, because today's sermon is a bit of a change of pace for us. If you've been with us, we've been in the book of Genesis in this series, walking through, seeing how Jesus and the New Testament connects to Genesis. But if you were with us during the John series a year ago, beyond that, you may remember me making a statement as we studied Jesus on the Hebrew holy days, that we're going we're gonna to study all of them in the coming year. And I said that back then, and it seemed like a great idea. And then I got to this week. And today we're going to be looking at a Hebrew holy day that there is just not much on. Now, it, this is one of, the, in fact, it starts at tonight at sundown, this, this holy day starts. There are seven holy days that God in the Old Testament commanded his people to participate in. Today's at sundown is called Rosh Hashanah, or the Festival of Trumpets. And I'm sure you know all about it. So you've studied it and participated in it, but I'm going to talk about it today. In preparation for today's sermon, I actually did a search on, the, on podcasts for Rosh Hashanah, and um, of non-Hebrew churches, I found one sermon preached by one preacher, and he just named it that because that was the day, but there was no content on it. And so, so we are on rare ground this morning, and so you're going to have to give me all the grace as we are constructing something here um, that is, is new to me and new to many of us, uh, we are in expectation that God is going to speak as we look at this Hebrew holy day, the festival of trumpets. There's seven of them deep in the Old Testament. And in ancient times, in the Hebrew culture, they would mark their calendar, their lives based on the Hebrew calendar. It's kind of like how we mark our lives based, we know New Year is a new beginning. And then you know, Thanksgiving is the fall. It's the same kind of thing except for, for an ancient Hebrew. Their calendar, their holy days, and not our holidays, their holy days had a depth and richness to it that, that Halloween and Thanksgiving can't even begin to touch. So these in the Bible, they have, they have a deep meaning, and, and they do three things. As we look at any Hebrew holy day, we're going to look at three things. What did God do back in the past for his people? Every one of these holy days looks at something God did in the past for his people. Like Passover, they're looking back to God passing over back in there in Egypt. Also, they teach us how to live now in the present based on what God has done. And the third one is, each of these holy days looks forward to a fulfillment with the Messiah someday. So each of these holy days, past, present, and future, an anchor in the past, how do I live in the present, and look toward a fulfillment in the future. And here's the interesting part, is that Jesus has already fulfilled many of these holy days. Through his life and death and resurrection, I mean, Passover, as I mentioned, they would sacrifice the Passover lamb for the forgiveness of the people, and Jesus, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed on Passover at the very moment when those lambs were sacrificed, fulfilling it. Then we, he, Jesus laid in the tomb during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He, uh, he was raised to life during the Festival of First Fruits. The next spring holy day is Shavuot, or Pentecost, when it was fulfilled by this coming of the Holy Spirit. All the spring holy days have been fulfilled, all four of them, leaving these three fall Hebrew holy days 
kind of hang, hanging out there. And one of them has been f- fulfilled. We'll talk more about that one in the future. But we have Sukkot, which is in October. We have Yom Kippur, which happens in a, in a week or so. And then today, tonight, at sundown, Rosh Hashanah, the Festival of Trumpets. And I know... If you're new with us or you haven't been with us through the John series or checking this out, you're like, why is this church going so in-depth on these ancient Hebrew holy days? Like, like what's the the point? What's the big deal? And and I'll just say this. We don't have to celebrate these today. Paul makes it clear in Colossians 2, 16. He says, don't let anybody judge you based on whether you celebrate certain religious holidays and festivals. And so I'm not saying that we need to celebrate these things, although some people do and you can. But, but, but why the discussion this morning? Why am I preach? Why is it worth pulling aside to look at these ancient Hebrew holy days? Well, I'm glad you asked these questions because each of these holy days gives us an insight into God's nature. It gives us insight into who he is and it shows us in the past what he has done for his people. It teaches us how we can therefore live in the present and it also calls us to look forward to a future day when there will be a fulfillment on many of these holy days. You see, I believe one of the main reasons is each of the seven Hebrew holy days points to Jesus. That it points to him. We see how Jesus came and perfectly fulfilled the requirements, satisfying many of these holy days already. Listen, if this were a coincidence, the odds would be astronomical. But it's not coincidence. It's divine order. The festivals that God established in the past were a divine foreshadowing of some fulfillment through Jesus that would happen in the future. And if you have eyes to see, you can begin to see how when Jesus came and lived and died, you see the patterns there in these old festivals. In short, these holy days are worth studying because they teach us about God's nature, what he did in the past. They show us how to live in the present. And we look forward to how they're fulfilled in the future. So with that, let's turn to Numbers 29, and look at Rosh Hashanah, which starts tonight at sundown. Rosh Hashanah means head of the year, and it's the new year of the Hebrew calendar. God calls it the festival of trumpets, and here's some verses. It says, celebrate the festival of trumpets. This is God speaking. Each year on the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, you must call an official day for a holy assembly. Like, get everyone together, and don't do any ordinary work, like a Sabbath. On that day, you must present burnt offerings as pleasing aroma to the Lord. Leviticus 23, 24 gives us more. It will be an official day for a holy assembly, a holy gathering, a day commemorated with loud blasts from the trumpet. Now, there's a reason Rosh Hashanah, the festival of trumpets, isn't preached all that much because that's pretty much all we know about it in the Bible from the Old Testament perspective. But God highlights Rosh Hashanah, the festival of trumpets, and gives it to us in the same chapter as the other six holy days, making it one of the seven Hebrew holy days. So so we have a holy day of God, and we must ask, now that we've read about it, what does this holy day, what is it pointing back to? Remember the three things. What's it pointing back to? Um, How should we live in the present because of it? And what is this festival of trumpets pointing forward to? It was the blasting of the shofar. This right here is a shofar, a ram's horn. That's what, that's what they would blow. That's what they would blast. And, and, and Henry and I had a blast this week watching YouTube videos and trying to blow it. 
Um, and I won't even attempt to do it. No, 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 no. Um, no. Oh. <laughs> you guys, this is terrible. Okay. Henry, what was it? Blow out of half your mouth? Okay, here we go. This is a ram's horn, and each of these would have a very distinctive sound. Now that is how it should sound. Thank you. Mine was a dying ram, his was the horn after it died, and he blew the horn. Oh. So, the blowing of the shofar at the Feast of Trumpets, I'm going to put this up here and hope it doesn't fall. The blowing of the shofar at the Feast of Trumpets was to remind people about a day in, a pa in the past when this horn had been blasted. In fact, it had been blasted by God himself. And to understand Rosh Hashanah, we have to go back to that day and say, what was this festival referring back to? What is it looking at? And so we go to Exodus 19. And when I read this, I don't want you to read it just, I want, what I want you to do is I read this, I want you to take in the, the feelings of it, the sights, the sounds, the smells. What would it be like if you were present in this moment? It says this in Exodus 19, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come down to you in a thick cloud so the people themselves can hear me when I speak. And Moses told the Lord all the people had said. And then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them, cleanse them. Today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day. For on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai uh, as all the people watch. The Lord will come down as all the people watch. Mark off the boundary around the mountain. Warn people, be careful. Do not go up the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly die. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, when the shofar, when you hear the shofar blast this long blast, then the people may go up on the morning of the third day. Thunder roared, lightning flashed, a dense cloud came down and hung over the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn from heaven, and all the peoples trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick, brick kiln. And the whole mountain was now shaking violently. I mean, imagine being there. You have this blast of a trumpet, a shofar from heaven. You have fire, you have smoke. It is an earthquake. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai and called Moses up. So Moses climbed the mountain. What an awesome, terrifying, awe-inspiring moment that must have been to witness. It says they were terrified. I would have been too. 
We have natural wonders flashing around us, smoke billowing. We have God in his glory descending, coming down on the mountain. We have this long, loud blast from a shofar growing louder, it says, growing louder and louder. All the people trembled, as we would have. And finally, the Lord came down. The trumpet blast blew, indicating that God was calling his people up. As with every holy day, we look back in the past to see that the blasting of the shofar on the festival of trumpets was to remind the people of the day when God had come down. To remind them to look back and to remember how he had come down and called them up. But, but what does this holy day mean for the future? Are you beginning to connect any of the things that we've just read with anything in the New Testament? What does this have to do with Jesus? All this imagery, all this, this sounds and sights and this a trumpet blasting and, and God descending. Like, how would this connect with the New Testament? How will God fulfill this ancient festival of trumpets? And I'm so glad that you asked these questions because I'm excited to answer you. Turn to Thess 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and listen to how the fulfillment goes. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. What we have here in the future is a trumpet sounding just like an exodus. We have the Lord coming down at both places. And what do we have at the trumpet sound? Him gathering his people what God did before, he's going to do again. But this time, he's going to do it completely. He's going to satisfy it fully. Just like he did at Passover, he's going to do it with the festival of trumpets. In fact, Jesus goes into this in depth in Matthew 24 and 25. And I want to challenge you because I'm going to fly by this. I want to challenge you this week to read Matthew 24 and 25 about what Jesus teaches about this very thing. Jesus wants to talk about the end of days. He wants to talk about the end of times. And so here's what Jesus says about that day. We're going to skip to verse 30. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. The Son of Man is how Jesus referred to himself. So at last, the sign that, that Jesus would say, I am coming, will appear in the heavens. There'll be deep mourning among all the peoples in the earth, and they will see me, Jesus, coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We have the Lord coming down in power and glory once again. And he will send out his angels in the mighty blast of the trumpet. They will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So we have Jesus echoing Exodus. We have Jesus talking about the end of times already from, a, from what he is going to do and what we are going to experience. I believe that Rosh Hashanah, the festival of trumpets, which looks back on that day at the trumpet blast in Exodus where God came down and called his people up, I believe it will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back. That when there was a loud trumpet blast from heaven, God coming down, gathering his people up. Uh, that's what we will have. Now, here's, here's the truth. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the time that that will happen. No one. And, and while that is, that is true, so we're not going to pretend that we know when that is. There's, this, there's the, all this discussion among some of the, this, the Hebrew sages of, of, of whether, that, whether that will be during the season or even during the time of the festival of trumpets. 
to fulfill it. Like, could it be on sundown of Rosh Hashanah tonight, on a future, a future Rosh Hashanah, a future feast festival of trumpets, that we don't just hear a trumpet, that, that the trumpet is sounded? I don't know. I would never even pretend to know the time and the place. But I do believe that Jesus will come back fully satisfying and fully fulfilling many of these holy days. The festival of trumpets, we look back to see how it refers to that day of God descending, trumpet from heaven, calling his people. We look forward to see a day when the Lord will descend, trumpet blasting, gathering his people. But the final part of the question, remember we look back and we look forward, the final part, the third question when it comes to holy days, is, is, is how do we live now? Like, how do we live now in between this, this, this ancient mountain and this tr ancient trumpet and this future day and future trumpet? How do we live now? How do you go about your life now where you live differently because of this reality? First of all, we must land in faith on something important that what the prophets spoke of in old throughout the entire Old Testament, that what Jesus himself said and that what the New Testament writers said is true, and that is that Jesus is coming back. We must land in faith on that reality first, that someday there will be a moment where there is a trumpet blast, where our natural order is interrupted by a divine intervention, interruption, and Jesus is there and he's coming back. We must land in faith on that. It's like, it's like we believe by faith that Jesus came as a baby, God's son. We believe in faith that he died and rose again. And we believe in faith, we take him at his word, that he is coming back again. I was laying with my kids discussing this. My, my son, you know, he, he wanted to read Revelation because it has dragons in it, you know. <laughs> so we read Revelation and, and, and had all these questions. What will it be like? And I painted him the best picture I could from what we have. He said, well, the, you know, he's, he didn't want it to be too loud. So he said, will the, uh, will the trumpet be loud? I said, yeah. It's, the whole world's going to hear it. Oh, daddy, that's pretty loud. He said, will it be scary? And I said, you know, son, I think there will be some awe and some holy fear. And I know that because anytime an angel shows up in someone's living room in the Bible, what happens? The person hits the floor. And the angel's first words are, be not afraid. Imagine when God reveals himself in his glory, in his power. Uh, I think there's going to be some people on the floor. So there will be some holy fear. And then my son asked, when will it happen? Like, When's it going to happen? And I said, I don't know. But let me just tell you what Jesus said about that. Matthew 24, again, the same chapter. Verse 39. He says, this is the way it will be when the Son of Man, when Jesus comes. Two men working together, one taken, the other left. They're just going about their day, working together. Two women grinding flour, one taken, the other left. Just going about their day without thought. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to break into. Like if we knew it was going to happen in the future, we'd be right there, but we don't. He says this in 44, you must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So be ready. We have no idea. He says this, he, I am coming back, but he, he gives us two things. Keep watch and you must be ready all the time. That's what he tells us. Now, this is how we live in light of the Feast of Trumpets. That's how we live. We must live in light of the reality 
begin to live in the mindset and heartset of the reality that someday Jesus is coming back and this world is passing away. Because that reality will teach us and inform us that there's some things we're grasping white-knuckled in our lives right now that we don't need to hold so tightly because this world's going to pass away. And there are some things that we aren't holding on to and faith-wise as tight as we should, but in light of this world passing and Jesus coming, I need to release some things and cling to others more tightly. We live differently when you live in the expectation and the reality that someday Jesus is coming. You live differently. Uh, to illustrate this very point, Jesus, after he spoke at length in Matthew 24 about this is what it's going to be like, um, the very next chapter, Matthew 25, he goes, let me tell you three parables about what that's like. Let me give you three parables about how to live in light of what I just said. Now, I wish I had time to go into depth of all these parables. And maybe someday we'll do just a study through all the parables. But today I am doing a, a flyby of Matthew 25. And we're going to hit all three parables to see what Jesus would say to us when it comes to how do you live in light of Jesus coming back? Each one of these highlights a different area. And so first of all, in Matthew 25, we have this parable of the 10 bridesmaids. 10 women who are looking for the groom to return so they can be with him. Jesus, the groom of the church. This is a parable of individual people like us waiting for the return of Jesus. But in this story, the return of the groom takes much longer than people were prepared for. People have been saying Jesus is coming back for generations. It's taking longer. And here in this, it takes so much longer that the, all 10 of these bridesmaids, they, they fall asleep. Now, the, at midnight the hour you're least expecting, they hear that the groom is returning. And so they jump awake to, to light their lamps, to have enough light to go to him. And five of, them, five of them, they realized they didn't bring enough oil. They did not come prepared. They were not living in the expectation of that moment. So they have to leave to go get oil and they miss the return of the groom. They miss the return of Jesus. They miss it. To simplify this parable down, they did not love God above all things. And therefore, they did not prepare in the way necessary. They had other priorities. They had other distractions that they chose over Jesus. They failed the first commandment of Jesus, which was this. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love God above all things. Love God. They, they failed in the first commandment to have him be their greatest and first priority and live in the expectation that he is going to return. Lesson one, in light of Jesus' return, love God above all earthly priorities so that you can live expectantly of him returning. The second parable is the parable of the talents. And Jesus tells us this story about a powerful leader, a powerful man, who is him, who is leaving for an extended period of time. He's going on a long journey. And, and he entrusts his servants, he entrusts the people with all of his resources, but he leaves them with the promise, someday, you don't know when, but I will return. And then he leaves. Now, each servant, each person responds differently when he leaves them these things. Some of them invest the resources left to them, and they had quite a gain. But there was one servant who decided, uh, 
that's a lot of hassle. I have, I'm, I'm worried about some things. I have some fear. So he just buries everything that the master had left him. He buries everything. He squanders it in the ground. He, and what, what, hap, what does this teach us? Because when, the, when, the, when Jesus returns, when the landowner returns, he addresses each of them based on how they had handled what was given them while he was gone. This, this parable, it teaches us in light of Jesus coming back that God has entrusted each of us, each of you, with one life. That he has given you gifts. He has given you talents. He has given you a personality or lack thereof. He's given you, he's given you resources. He's given you strengths. He has poured into your life. He has given you your family where you are. He's placed you where you are with your calling. He's equipped you. He's called you. He's given you this life and said, I'm going to leave, but I'll be back. And, and, And then it's up to us. Will I invest my life, my gifts, my talents, my equipping, my calling? Will I leverage it to do what? To illuminate Jesus to the world around me. Or will I bury that Or will I squander all he's giving me building my own life? That's the question. He left it with us. He gave you everything, every gift and talent, everything you have. You have one life to live. Live it in the reality that Jesus is coming back and I will illuminate Jesus to all people through my my work, through my hobbies, through my everything I will illuminate Jesus. I can't take any of it with me. I'm not going to build a a me small kingdom. I'm going to invest everything in his kingdom because Jesus is coming back. I will not bury my life. I will not squander it. I will love myself and know God created me with talents and gifts that he did. He He equipped me and I will not bury it. The final parable Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 is about the great day of judgment. He talks about this this great day at the end of times where, where God sits in judgment and he, he begins to separate the people he knows from the people he doesn't know. It's, it's a very interesting read. And, and God goes through these people who had spent their lives loving others and separating them from people who had spent their lives selfishly loving themselves. He goes through and, and those who, 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 who loved others selflessly, he welcomes in. Those who had loved themselves selfishly and had indifference toward those who were hurting, he turns away. At the heart of this people is a clear declaration. At the heart of this people, at the heart of this parable is a clear declaration to love people. Clear as day. That compassion, that goodwill, that charity, that coming along the side, the side of those who are hurting, that helping, that serving, using your gifts, your leadership to help those in this world hurting people, that, that that matters to God. We see in this parable that loving people with the one life you have is more important to God than we know. So in light of Jesus' return, we're called to do what? In light of someday that trumpet blast and him returning, in light of that, we love people. What do we say here? All people, no asterisks. Angry people, political people, different people, needy people. And you go, what about those people? Yes, especially those people. If you have a what about those people, then yes, those people. Love people, period. No asterisks. 
In the previous chapter of Matthew, Jesus talks about in depth the second coming. And here in Matthew 25, he gives us three parables of what it means. And if we put them together, it gives us this picture. How do I live in light that someday a trumpet's going to blast, this world's going to end, and I have a new reality? Point one, live your life under the reality that Jesus is returning and wrestle with the fact of what that means, that there are some things that you're building up that you can't take with you. There's some things you're clinging on to that you can't take with you. And there's some things that we are not clinging to that we need to. Lesson, lesson number one, point number one, live in light that Jesus is returning and be ready and live expectant of it. Number two, love God above all things. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and all your strength. And your strength means all the resources of your life. Everything that is you. Love God and seek him above all things. Number three, your life is a gift from God that you get to give back to him, that you get to invest into your family and your church and his kingdom and his people. He has a calling. He has called you. He's equipped you. You're like, oh, I don't know how he's equipped. Listen, every single person in here has a, a unique calling and a unique gifting to reach who you can reach that I can't, to go where other people can't go. That's you. You have one life and someday it will be gone. So where will you invest it today? Don't bury the life God has given you. Don't squander the one life God has given you, building up sandcastles on a beach that will be washed away. And point four, love people in a tangible, practical, real way on this earth. Get your hands messy in love and compassion. Not just sterile, sending money, but like in, in, in your community, in your, in, your, in your neighbors, in your Love people in tangible, compassionate ways. The, this is how we live in light of the second coming of Jesus and that trumpet day of the Feast of Trumpets someday. Love God, love people, love yourself and live your life in the reality that he's coming back. Because someday, we don't know when. It could be in our lifetime. Everyone's thought it was. And if you turn on the TV and hear a TV preacher, they're like, they're telling you the 10 reasons why it's our lifetime. We don't know, but it could be in our lifetime. Jesus, at some point, will split the sky and a trumpet will blast from heaven. And I don't want to be like one of the five foolish bridesmaids who was unprepared, who didn't take it seriously, who didn't love God enough to take him at his word. I don't want to be like the servant who, who buried my talents and buried my, my one life because I was afraid to, to live it for him. I don't want to be like one of the, the servants who squandered my life on myself and then see Jesus return. I don't want to be like one of those in judgment who refused to love people during my life here on this earth. Jesus is coming back. The day of trumpets of the past will someday be the day of the trumpet. And how? Are you living in that reality? To end my research as I was looking through these, these two trumpets and trying to put together this sermon that I, I never heard before, never thought of before, I found this place that speaks of both moments. 
that speaks of the, 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 the old trumpet blast at the mountain and this new trumpet blast at a new mountain. And the author lifts both of them up and compares them in the light of Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 18, I just want you to listen and catch this as I read. The author says, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness and gloom and whirlwind as the Israelites did on Mount Sinai. He's talking about that first feats of trumpets. You didn't come to that mountain. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible, they begged God to stop speaking. And they staggered back under God's command that, even, that if anybody touches the mountain, if anybody goes up, they will die. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight and the sound. Is he said, I am terrified. I am trembling. He says, you didn't come to that mountain. You weren't there for that original feast of trumpets. That wasn't for you. You're not there. This is not doom and gloom preaching. End times preaching isn't doom and gloom. It's hope and glory. Amen? Amen. I am in myself on that one. Because, because let, me, let me just tell you, there's a future mountain that isn't physical that he's going to tell us about. He says, that was back then, but listen to this. He says, verse 22, no, 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 no. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, in a heavenly Jerusalem. That's in Revelation. You have come to countless of thousands of angels in a joyous gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect, our loved ones who have gone before us. You have come to Jesus, he says. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates this new covenant between God and his people with his blood which speaks of forgiveness, praise God. You're not trembling in fear at the bottom of a mountain. No, no, you'll be singing songs of praise in the presence of God and all those who are with him. Because you have come to Jesus. You believe that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, and he did give you a new covenant and access to God. So someday, we have to remember, and this is so wild, someday, people, that will be a reality. What I just read will be a reality. And when you reconcile yourself to someday, you can live differently today. I don't need to panic. I don't need to live in fear and shudder at every latest sign of the times. I live by faith, knowing he's coming back. Peace, preparedness. When I was five years old, I went to breakfast at the Redstone Inn. Many of you know that. I was there with my family, and my dad and I went to the bathroom to wash up before a meal. And um, he got done before me, and he decided, he said, okay, I'll meet you back out at the table, and he left. And there I am, I'm a little, I'm a little dude. And I'm at the Redstone Inn. And I go to open the door, and I grab that big brass door, and I try to pull it. I can't even budge it, and no, it wasn't a push. <laughs> it's not the point of the story. <laughs> I'm pulling it, and I can't move it at all. I mean, the, the, the Red Star Inn was constructed in 1902. I mean, it's all lead and hardwood. I mean, you can't lick the wall and not get lead poisoning. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Not, real, not true. But, um, but back then, when I was a kid, I mean, I was just pulling this door, and it wasn't budging. I could not open the door no matter what I did. I had been left behind. My father had left me. I had no idea what to do. There was nothing I could do. So what did I do? I, I remember this. What I did is I sat down, and I began to wait for my father. 
I sat down, I watched the door, and I waited in expectation. No fear. I don't know how long I was there. I was a little guy, so in my mind, it seemed like a long time. But how long does it take a dad to realize his son's been in the bathroom for a while? Five to seven minutes, right? Who knows? He comes, finally, the door swings open. It's my father's face. And he says, what are you doing? And I said, Dad, I couldn't open the door. So I, I just waited. And he looked, he looked at me. And he had this pause and he goes, were you scared? And I'll never forget. I said, no. I knew you'd come back for me. Here's the application. When you know your father's love and you know he's going to come back for you, and that knowledge begins to sink deep into your spirit, into your heart, into your life, that he's going to return. You get to live in light of, a, of this understanding. I don't have to live with anxiety of the end times. I don't have to live in panic of the preachers of the doom and gloom because I'm a preacher of hope and glory. I'm on the other side of the cross. I know the end and I will be prepared through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice of what he's given to us. I know he's coming back for me. Jesus says, I am coming back to gather my people. I have prepared a way for you in glory. You're forgiven. You're loved. You've been purchased and you have an eternal home waiting for you. When you live in light of Jesus coming back for you, you live differently because you know that you are not on this planet with your one life to just squander it on yourself. You have a calling and a purpose and a destiny. You're gifted. You have talents. He's put within you the raw spiritual DNA to go forth and change the world, change your cul-de-sac, illuminate Jesus so that others at the end of times, at the end of times that there will be others there with you because you showed the way during your days here. That you lived in such a way, illuminating Jesus, that someday people around you, they'll be there too. And they'll say, because you showed me the way. You revealed Jesus to me. Tonight at sundown begins the Feast of Trumpets. Tonight. And from this day forth, May you live in the light. May you begin to reconcile your life to the reality that someday Jesus is coming back. Someday there will be a trumpet blast approaching and with it comes a savior. Not, not a fleecy little baby Jesus, but Jesus in glory, in power, coming to gather those with him. And in light of that, we declare that we are the children of the king and we can live this earth for him. And listen, that I will leverage everything in my life and in my power to grow his kingdom. I will love God above all other affections in this earth because the earth is passing. I will love people with an unrelenting compassion because people's souls are eternal and therefore I will not give up on them. Love God and love people and live a life worthy of the calling you've been given. As we sing this, this one final song, or no, we have two final songs, but we sing this next song. It, it, it's, it's, it's about Jesus. And it says, above all things, above all comforts, above all victories, above all things this world has to offer, Jesus is better. And we sing this song as a declaration. It says, this is our anthem. We will raise our anthem. This is one of my favorite songs. It's, it's because it's, above all things, Jesus is better. He's higher. He's greater. We illuminate him. And so, yes, he is coming, and therefore, he's above all our concerns today. 
So as we take communion and then go into worship, I want you to stand and I want you to sing in a chorus here on earth that someday will be echoed in a chorus you will sing, not on this earth. Father God, we thank you so much that you hid things in your word, not from us, but for us to find. We thank you for the Feast of Trumpets. We ask, Father, that you would help this to sink into our reality that you are coming back again and that we, the people of the orchard, would be found on that day that we would be found loving God and loving people and illuminating Jesus.